Welcome to Food Farm Talk, the COVID edition on CFRU in 93.3 FM in Guelph, Ontario, Canada, and on podcast on all the major platforms. My name is Paul Smith, and I'm one of the hosts of Food Farm Talk, and we are all hearing about the impacts of COVID-19 on farming and the food industry in media coverage everywhere, whether it's farm labor, meat processing plants uh, closed, increased demand for products like flour and so on. And today we're talking about COVID and the local food in Guelph and Wellington County with Christina Mann. Christina Mann has been on the show before to talk about the program she works on. She's the Taste Real Coordinator at the County of Wellington. Taste Real is an innovative economic development program, works with food and farming businesses in the county and connecting those to uh, to society and the economy at large. Normally, Christina would be uh, getting ready for a spring rural romp and the local food fest that is usually held in June in Ignatius, but this is no normal year due to COVID. Christina knows the local food and farming scene as well as anyone, and she's hearing how businesses are doing and how they're coping and how they're adapting to the changing conditions, and she's going to share some of that with us today. So thanks for joining us on the show today, Christina. Nice to be here. (laughs) uh, We hear lots in the news about uh, increased demand for local food due to all the closures and people being home and self-isolating. Can you tell us about what kind of increased demand you see for local Guelph and Wellington farm and food businesses? Yeah, so Certainly, across the board, uh, in Ontario, we see an increase, as you had mentioned, and the same applies to Guelph and Wellington. I think despite incredible efforts from the grocery community to keep staff and shoppers safe and shelves full for consumers, um, food shopping has suddenly become a dreaded task, where we're dealing with long lineups, empty shelves, anxiety about everyone sticking to um, social distancing measures and, and of course, the fear of getting sick. So I think that's where many people suddenly started looking at other options to purchase food. And local food um, became more attractive than possibly ever before. Um, So just if we think about local food, if you think about farm direct purchasing, it means less people are handling your food or bulk options such as um, freezer meat um, boxes or or larger quantities, um, they become uh, much more attractive since you have to only you buy more, but you buy it one, one at a, once a time and not um, continuously um, having to go to the store. So it's also maybe possible that some people might have more time on their hands to research local food options um, as they uh, are, you know, home. They may have been laid off or they work fewer hours. So we have seen an incredible demand or an incredible increase of demand locally. Um, We are in conversation with our partner businesses, with our farmers, and we've heard firsthand that some farms are, in fact, busier and get more orders and requests than ever before. We also know that some can't keep even keep up with all the inquiries and that they had to put processes in place to manage 
their inventory and capacity to process all mm. of the orders. Mm. Mm. And on our side, we have a very comprehensive website with, uh, you know, obviously lots of local uh, food contacts and, um, and information. And uh, we receive uh, an increasing inquiries as well. Um, many of them are about specific ingredients or um, especially about the CSA programs. For anyone that doesn't know what CSA stands for, it sort of stands for Community Shared of Community Supported Agriculture, which means you um, purchase um, purchase a a share at the beginning of the season with a farm, and they then supply you with a a specific set amount of you know vegetables. It's usually for produce, but could be applied to other uh, products as well. But they supply you with uh, fresh in-season products um, once a week, usually, um, during the season. So um, people may have heard of that, um, but never really looked into it. So we get a lot of inquiries about that. It's, but in general, I would say there's an appetite for anything you can possibly buy farm direct here, from meats, the barbecue meat, um, to ice cream. And um, we've even yeah. we've even received uh, products that are not available locally yet because of the season, right? It's like, oh, you know where I can find fresh zucchini in March? Well, obviously that's not possible yet, but yeah. um, but people are really interested in really looking into local sources. Hmm. From a business point of view, anyway, it's a coping with it is another matter, right? Yeah. And, I, and I guess that's sort of the uh, the other part of it is. How are the businesses sort of coping with the the demand, it's increased demand, but it's also the uh, how they protect themselves and their customers for, from you know potential infection, and uh, and also I guess how they navigate the uh, the purchasing process. Yes, exactly. I think certainly with new safety measures, um, um, there is the need for new procedures. And um, and another issue, as you mentioned, is the increase increase in demand for farm direct products. But also, um, uh, you need to implement new procedures for that, right? In order to be able to cope with that um, that amount of orders coming in. So what I found incredible is to watch the speed at which farms and smaller food businesses are able to to pivot and adapt. Um, you know, everybody's different, certainly, but um, there have been changes implemented almost immediately. And even over the first uh, two weeks or even the first month, um, you know, when we look at like March as a sort of start date, um, these processes have evolved. And so as businesses have been navigating their way through through those changes. So now most products or many products can be ordered, um, pre-ordered. Phone is the obvious one. It's, it's the one most people have access to. But we've also seen an increase in ordering platforms that, uh, that are online. And now some businesses had that maybe as a component of mm-hmm. their, um, of you know, of their order of their sales uh, volume was maybe one option you could buy from them. Um, but a smaller part of their business, and and 
they have really been able to take advantage of that system that was already in place. And then some other ones have launched um, online ordering options. There's a, a few platform out, platforms out there that you can kind of sign up for. So that was certainly a win um, in terms of quickly adapting. Yeah. But even, you know, like just seeing websites and Facebook pages, they're being updated as a, at a rate like never before <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to include daily and weekly updates of products and safety information. And that's really great to see that communication aspect. Yeah. Now, in terms of, um, you know, how you get your product, generally it's contactless pickup is the norm along with delivery options. And it could be, uh, you know, contactless pickup could mean anything from um, curbside pickup, porch pickup, pickup windows, or, you know, drive up and pop the trunk and we'll load the, the order in the back of your car. Um, so, and so on. So, um, some farms take weekly orders and deliver directly to your house once a week. And I think that's a, a really incredible service and probably the most convenient way to purchase, purchase food yeah. while stuck at home. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it does look straightforward to maybe from a consumer perspective, but we have to really appreciate that implementing these, um, these changes or these revised procedures are an incredible amount, um, include an incredible amount of planning and logistics and, and very, very much hard work to be able yeah. to implement it. And Stress on the business, uh, having it to is. rethink everything. Yeah. yeah, and just also um, they they are dealing with an increased amount. Their historic sales volumes uh, don't really help them to prepare for this increased amount, and now they have to implement social distancing measures at their place of work, which means which often means less work or less staff. Sorry for more for more work, right? So it's really an incredible effort that we're seeing from our farm and food business from their side to feed us all while keeping everybody safe. Yeah, and all of this uh, not going to work has also increased sort of the demands for people who don't have a lot of uh, <clears throat> income. And so there's sort of demand from the from the need for, for donations and so on. And so we're also hearing about how businesses are supporting both each other and also the community donations and that sort of thing examples of what how that's going on in the community yeah i mean on the donation side i know that um, a lot of uh, farms and a lot of businesses have stepped up to make sure um, their uh, leftover product is not going to waste Um, there's uh, great initiatives taking place in 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 well in many communities In, in guelph there is an initiative um, partnering the Seed Community Food Program with a number of farmers, uh, food distributors, and the University of Guelph that are cooking meals um, um, for 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 people in need. There's there's certainly an increased um, amount of people that are, need to take advantage of um, of you know food food delivery, food banks, all that kind of stuff. But we can also see that uh, businesses amongst themselves are really getting together and collaborating. Um, there's an incredible camaraderie amongst uh, many local food businesses. Um, 
if you consider the closure of the Guelph Farmers Market in March, has left many food uh, vendors without a sales venue. And we've seen other retail businesses stepping up and allowing farmers to set up in their parking lot, for example. Oh, yeah. Hmm. yeah. So if you're familiar with Polestar Hearth, um, a bakery in the north end of Guelph, they, um, they've invited um, an organic uh, produce farm to come out and, and set up in the parking lot um, every once in a while. Or, you know, a, a restaurant, Artisanal, downtown Guelph, um, is the pickup spot for, for another farm's um, weekly orders. So they're really working together and, you know, making those connection works in, in very different ways um, during this um, disrupted time. And, um, yeah, so I think the other thing we've seen, uh, which is really cool, are some of these um, food boxes come come out. Um, I don't know if you've heard about it, but um, oh. Goodfellas, Goodfellas Field to Fork, uh, Bakery in Rockwood, they are... They're not operating their regular, uh, their regular way. They have a very small retail space, but they're now delivering uh, weekly quarantine kits, um, which includes mm-hmm. an array of local products alongside with their own. So really interesting, neat initiative. Or the Guelph Box is another great example. Oh, yeah. They're collecting product from market vendors. Um, and then delivery services such as Miss. Uh, Miss Grocery in Central Wellington. They're very hugely popular and they work with farmers and grocers. So, you know, um, there's certainly a, a strong sense of camaraderie and collaboration in the business community and yeah. the sense that we're all in this together and, you know, and that we get, we're stronger together as well. That's great. Now, you mentioned the uh, Guelph Farmers Market and lots of people in Guelph and surrounding area liked to go to the farmer's market and obviously it's closed and many most other ones are closed as well and hopefully they're going to reopen uh but how do you anticipate when that happens what the farmer's markets will be like and i uh, maybe you can mention also mention i know you are aware of the uh, 10 carton sort of virtual uh mm-hmm. farmer's market too yeah, um, yeah. Even though um, markets are deemed an essential service, it will certainly be a very different farmers market season this year. Um, as you know, our markets come in very many different shapes and sizes in Wellington County, and the Guelph market being the biggest one. And if you've ever been there, um, I think it's clear that there's no way this market can function at a time of uh, social distancing. So, uh, you know, they, they had to close close it down early on. Um, now, in in the Guelph Markets uh, scenario, Ten Carden has um, set up a, a vendor list for uh, all the Guelph Farmers Market vendors, and uh, you can kind of um, use the opportunity to, you know, be connected with them directly if you want to. If you want to purchase from them directly, that's um, that's one of the options. So I think we'll see, you know, local as local markets are looking at many options as how they can continue to support their vendors or be a hub for local food. You'll see the online component really growing and, and some markets embracing that. 
Um, so the 10C uh, example is a really great one. We're hoping that there will be still some kind of um, a vendor component to that um, coming out of the, 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 the Guelph farmers market. But um, some might just be that, might just be sort of connecting the vendors with the public to make arrangements. And others are looking to, um, you know, a revised pickup type model where, where you can go and pick up your pre-ordered food from either a location once a week. You may have to go to different stalls. They're the ones that have space to do that, so the outside markets, where you can go from stall to stall to pick up your pre-packed order, or it might be a more aggregated packing model. Um, that remains to be seen still. We've, we've heard of other markets in Ontario um, trying out that option, and it became clear that they certainly underestimated the logistics that come with an mm-hmm. aggregated <laughs> packing model. Yeah. And, you know, most are run by volunteer groups, and um, it's it's certainly it's certainly not um, a lot of work and not, not as easy as it and straightforward as it sounds. We also know that the public health regulations are still changing in regarding to who could potentially sell at the market or at any market. Um, right now, it's only food sales, and it doesn't even include any type of processed foods at this point. So farm direct ingredients only. Um, so and we know that's still probably you know, hopefully changing a little bit so that people can sell for service and so on. Um, but at this point, it's an ongoing conversation. So, um, is that in response to COVID, or is that uh, an ongoing? I know that was an issue a few years back. Too. It, it's a it's a response to COVID. Okay. I mean, there are certainly regulations around farmers markets in terms of um, prepared and processed foods, but there is a certain uh, percentage that you can have. Um, you oh, know, farm direct. Uh, sorry, sort of farm farm ingredients, and then some can be farm and processed and, and baking and all of that. So, um, I mean, we love our farmer's markets. They are um, community hubs as much as they are venues to sell goods, right? So even if if they do go ahead this year in some form, there's certainly much that's being lost from a community perspective. We're also hearing about a lot about threats to the food system and uh, affecting supply. So whether it's at processing plants or or livestock producers, beef and dairy and pork, tr- having difficulties getting their product to market, and uh, and the reduced demand for some things. So the difficulties in getting those foreign workers in, here in the spring to uh, plant uh, in their uh, particularly on food and vegetable farms. Mm-hmm. So. How are those kind of problems manifesting themselves and into our local area businesses? Yeah, all of the things you've mentioned above are are serious, uh, you know, issues for the food supply chain, and it's not just for large complex supply chains that you know supply the grocery retailers, the large retailers. Um, they're also threatening our local food supply chain. Um, we understand that, you know, food processing plants are taking incredible measures to keep employees and the product safe. Um, That means less people working due to physical distancing, and it also means, therefore, less less capacity and some 
potentially some bottlenecks in terms of, you know, um, processing meats and so on. So there is that fear, you know, any processing plant closure will further reduce the capacity. And so safety is really key to keep our plants open and avoid disruption down the line. Now, our temporary farm workers are, are key to our agriculture sector. There are certainly areas that rely on temporary farm workers more than uh, maybe a lot of Wellington does, but there still are local farmers that do rely on them. And we know there has been a decrease in workers arriving um, overall. And in addition, the two-week mandatory quarantine further delays their start date into the season. And agricultural work is, you know, has, has to be done very timely. You can just say, oh, yeah, we'll start planting two weeks later. It doesn't, it doesn't work like that. So um, we've seen the ministry um, has launched an ag-focused hiring campaign to assist with, with that shortfall. We've also heard of other redeployment initiatives, for example, in, in Gray County, where they have, um, you know, a larger apple growing area. They um, they are working with um, laid-off tourism workers to get them trained to prune apple trees because they don't have enough um, foreign workers coming in to do that work. Mm. And yeah. there's additional, yeah, it's it's really neat. Um, it is really neat, and there's additional. Um, incentives, uh, weekly incentives, monetary-wise, in addition to the already the essential worker benefit to assist with employment initiatives. Um, but even then, you know, uh, those are many of these workers return year over year over year. They're very, um, they're trained well. They they work hard. It's, it's very different if you have um, a team of 20 new crew members and. Um, it's certainly not. It's not going to fill the the gap as well. And even with all of the training and redeployment initiatives, they still predict a severe shortfall of workers. Yeah. So, you know, with the appetite for local food has grown, um, but ramping up production in this unique situation is not necessarily an easy thing to do. It's a mismatch, but if for now, that what that means really is that farmers and food processors are putting up an incredible effort to cope with this situation and feed us all. Now, we, you started off talking about uh, some opportunities, uh, increased demand, and that's been a bit of a theme through the conversation here. And perhaps the small silver lining in all of this is that uh, <clears throat> more more of us have time to cook and and have taken an interest in it, and there's a surging interest in gardens and gardening now it's the time of year, and also I know it's just been uh, the regulations have been changed to allow community gardens recently are how are do you think local businesses are being able to take advantage of these kinds of opportunities to to help people uh, pursue those kinds of interests yeah i I think you're right. The awareness and interest in food and food production and food preparation really is certainly a positive outcome from all of this if you are looking for a silver lining. Um, but some of the food, the food businesses in the experience sector, for example, they're able to draw attention to their businesses, um, some. 
um, while they're not able to operate in person, this is a great time for, for marketing and, you know, having people hear about your business. We have a local Italian cooking school. It's Netherlina's Kitchen. She hosts regular online classes right now. Mm. And um, they're very popular. We have also seen um, Royal City Nursery, um, a plant nursery. She does, um, they do Facebook Live videos talking about gardening and planting and really sort of um, harvesting that interest that people are putting out there and and, uh, responding to it uh, very effectively. And again, that might not be necessarily an immediate impact to their business. It might, it might not, but it might just getting the word out there and promoting your business and, and staying really active and top of mind during this time when people have a lot of time on their hands right now, right? Yeah. So as you mentioned, there's an increased interest in home or, or community gardens as well. So we're hoping that a great side effect of this is the relationship to your food and, and also to food waste. Um you're less likely to throw out, you know, the outside leaves of a head of lettuce if you grow it in your own garden and not because it doesn't look, uh, it, it looks any better than some of the outside leaves you get from a grocery store lettuce, but it just means more to you. You value it more. Yeah. So, um, oh, yeah. So overall, you know, one would hope that making food a little less available and convenient for people at some times will help people to appreciate it more. Yeah. And yeah. it, you know, it doesn't matter where it comes from. It comes from down the road, whether it's from your garden, from the grocery store, or from a local farm. So I think certainly a silver lining here. Well, that's great, Christina. Uh, thanks for uh, coming on the show today and uh, making people aware of the situation for local farm and food farm and food businesses, and also for ways that they can support those businesses, mm-hmm. so they can can cope with the, uh, the demand and, and continue to supply us with the, the things we need. So, so thanks very much. Excellent. And um, at any point, uh, if people are interested in in you know finding Guelph Wellington local farms, they can always check out tastereal.ca. Um, we have updated our partner list with um, details on how you can purchase during COVID-19 and how you can get in touch with those uh, locations. Very good. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Food Farm Talk this week. There are so many ways the pandemic continues to impact our lives. And so much is being said and written about, about the impact on the food value chain and on primary agriculture. So today's show gave you a little bit more information on the local food impacts here in Guelph and surrounding Wellington County. And we gave you some ways you could support local food and farming businesses through this difficult period. The show notes also has links that you can follow. Um, The Arrow Food Institute has some good videos on, on this issue. And of course, following people like Evan Fraser and Sylvana Charlebois and other Professors um, involved in the food system uh, can give you lots of information as well. So thanks again for listening, and thanks to Christina for participating today. So listen to Food Farm Talk again on CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph, Ontario, Canada, again next week. 
Thanks very much for listening. Stay safe. <laughs>